So welcome to part two of our three-part coaches series on essentially how to maximize your mindset as a coach. And last episode, what we're speaking about is like really the problems that coaches face in a very real way. And what I want to do today and what we want to do today is dig down into why that happens. What are the root causes of them, um, especially from a mindset perspective? Because yeah, there's some skill based in there, like in terms, especially when we're talking about like finances and sleeping, there's like, there's some skill in there, but there's also a huge mindset component. Um, Mm. So Rachel, if we start with, let's start with uh, burnout here. So one of the problems that we find coaches face the whole time is burnout. What kind of, contributing mindset factors are there why might someone have like what makes the mindset behind someone who gets burnt out the whole time yeah you know i see a couple of things when it comes to burnout the first one is a scarcity mindset and the idea behind a scarcity mindset is there are only a certain amount of opportunities uh clients income sources Uh, likability, success. So that scarcity mindset teaches us that we have to say yes to every single opportunity. We we can't let anything pass us by. We always have to be hustling and grinding. Otherwise, we're going to miss something. And when we carry that scarcity mindset with us, we say yes to a lot of things that we don't really want to do. And that contributes to a sense of burnout. We're just doing so much that doesn't feel fulfilling. Another big one is a uh, is a people pleasing type of mindset. So saying no can be really challenging for a lot of us, especially because we're in a service industry. Many of us get into coaching because we love helping people. And we may end up carrying with us beliefs that we can't say no to people or, and I'm using air quotes for anyone who's only listening, disappointing people. We can't do that or we're not good at our jobs. And so not being able to say no, um, both to clients and to employers is another big mindset hiccup that happens with a burnout. Okay. Let's start with people pleasing. That to me is something that we pick up through an environmental factor, like a lot, um, like evolution applies to definitely, um, experience and what's worked for you. Um, what you've been explicitly told, it's not really something you're explicitly told out loud. Like you've got to please other people, like a little bit in terms of like, like being in the service industry, you're told sometimes that, okay, I've got to be out there. The client's always right. You can hear that, but it's most like how, were you acting as a kid and what worked as a kid to kind of, um, to create the environment that you wanted to. And that's a big one for me. So we can think about the environment, um, that affects us. And then the scarcity mindset as well. It makes me think of evolution. Like we are hardwired. And if you want to think of this as your biology, your internal kind of makeup, then feel free to think of it this way. Um, we're hardwired to think there's only a certain amount of resources out there so go out there now get all you can um what this does is it creates an essential fear within us it's a fear script a fear dominant script where we're going out it's like what can i get what can i get what can i get it's going to run out there's not enough for everyone so i've got to take it um and the truth is that we're in this world and really we have been for um for 
many decades now where there is enough for the vast majority of us there really is enough like i think the fact is that if you're earning over 30,000 US dollars you are in the top 1% of the world in terms of income like right. there's enough for us around there's yeah. enough there and we're in this incredible time but we still have this hardwired mentality of there's not enough yes there's there's absolutely. not enough out there yeah. um and how does this show up for our um in our mental state what does it feel like what does it look like what does it sound like yeah so i can remember struggling with people pleasing myself and the way that that felt was a an employer would ask me to take on you know a new responsibility or a um you know a client would come in and want me to um, you know, do personal training. I'm a coach that does not like personal training for whatever reason. It's, it's just not, I like coaching group classes. That's where I really shine. So me saying yes to every single personal training opportunity ended up being me doing something that I found really draining. I always did a good job. Um, you know, I, I put a lot of effort into training my clients, but, um, what it would feel like when I was saying yes to these things was often a little bit of mild resentment for being asked in the first place, um, even though people asking for help is something that we want to encourage. And I would feel this pressure to say yes. It was almost as though no wasn't an, even an option that I would consider. And again, that ended up to me feeling really drained. I would kind of dread going to work. Uh, because I just felt like I was using all of this energy for something that I didn't find fulfilling. A good little test here is how much of your time you're dedicating to tasks that feel energy out and how yeah. much are you feeling uh, dedicating towards energy in. And yeah. like, there's some things that you do within coaching that feel like this is giving me so much energy. This yeah. is just making me feel good. This is like, this is the one. This is exactly what I need. Yeah. And there's some that just feel like a drain. And to yeah. other people feel like an energy in. And the yeah. more you can dominate your time with energy in activities, the more you will be kind of, well, crushing it. You'll feel like you've got energy. You won't feel burnt yes. out the whole time. Because like the, the ideal situation for any coach and any human being is to be making a career out of something you'd do if you weren't getting paid for it. Yeah. If you weren't, if you, if you weren't like, if you're completely open to spend your time, how you want to, what would you do anyway? Um, and there's elements of coaching that are definitely that for a lot of coaches. So yes. the more time you can spend with that, of course, there's always going to be times when you have to do NGL activities. That's part yeah. of being human, but yes. as the fewer they can be, the better. Um, yeah. So what inevitably happens is, when our mindset's in the right place, we've identified this is where I want to go. Like when we're trained our mindset, part of that is aiming up, looking at success, yeah. thinking what is success for me and leaning into those strengths, leaning into your own individuality. And that forges this path where not the burnout isn't an option because it's always an option, but you've got less chance of it. Like you're, you're driven, you're excited and like, yeah. you're not, spiritually burnt out or at this deep level burnt out because mm. it means more to you than the fatigue that you encounter. So you've always got this internal drive. Yeah. And, you know, I remember that early when I started mindset work, you pointed out that a great way to 
a great way to determine if you wanted to do something or if it may not be in line with your goals was if the answer is anything but hell yes, then the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And that can exactly. be a really helpful way of determining like what actually drives and motivates us and energizes yeah. us. Yeah. And we've got to have some self-knowledge of that. Like a, yeah. a trained mindset is one where and what we should be aiming for as a coach is one where you know what is your what your energy and tasks are. You know what is a hell yes for you. And if you don't, and if you feel obligated to because of some narrative that is going on underneath, then we need to change things. Then exactly. we need to work on that mindset. And that's a surefire sign that, hey, like if you don't know your energy and tasks, that's a surefire sign that you need to do some diving and know where you want to head as well. Um, so we've got this, uh, people pleasing element, we've got the scarcity mindset. Mm. Another big one that I'm going to bring up because like, well, it's personal to me and I've experienced a lot is like, I'm not clever enough. I don't mm. know enough. And that for me personally came from an environment where being right, being seen as intelligent was a way to get, um, affection and attention. Um, and I think this is something that is really prevalent in our culture. So again, we're talking about an environmental factor that yeah. builds this narrative of like, I've got to be the cleverest person in the room. And the fact is that if you are the cleverest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. Like mm. we need to change things up. Um, mm. and usually I always found myself looking around thinking either, oh my God, they know so much and I don't, or judging their knowledge, pretending that it wasn't important because that was a way to like bolster my own ego and bolster yeah. my own self. Um, so that was uh, like, yeah, so there's there's that one too that we, like I'm not clever enough, I don't know enough. Yeah. Um, what do you see as the kind of the mindset behind this, Rachel? Like how, do, how does that get created in your opinion? Uh, the, I don't, I'm not good enough. I don't have yeah. the, yeah. So, you know, I had something similar, honestly, I grew up being also praised for my intelligence and that creates what, uh, we would call a fixed mindset, which means that we're very performative in what we do. We try to avoid looking stupid or failing or being embarrassed. And so we may expend a ton of energy, trying to look good. Um, and that's can lead to people pleasing and that can lead to a lot of like judgment of other people and of ourselves. So success here in terms of mindset looks like, Hey, it's okay to not know all the answers. It's okay to be the fool occasionally and like kind of mess things up and not be perfect. Mm -hmm. And that release from perfectionism is often one when you you grow the quickest, like those times when you're like, when you don't know the answer, when you're kind of, um, and you're freely admitting that rather than making something up are the times when you grow the quickest, because it gives you the vulnerability of doing so gives you the opportunity to grow, which wouldn't be there without that vulnerability. And honestly, athletes connect more to coaches who can answer questions like that. Honestly, like, I don't know, let's find out together what the answer to that question is. Cause it's a really good one. That's way more connecting than being the know-it-all who some, for some reason knows every answer and is, is an expert in everything. That's not a reasonable expectation for any coach to have of themselves. 
yeah, something like 80% of communication is nonverbal or, or like including tone and, um, and body language. So if we are not quite telling the truth or trying to desperately scrape and like, we think we're right, but we don't know that we're right. And like, we're kind of guessing people sense that like, we are so good at attuning ourselves to to that kind of well so it's bullshit and yeah like, right it's and a bullshit meter. <laughs> like yeah exactly and we've got that built into us and our athletes have it built in but mm. like they will so they'll trust you so much more if you say hey don't know like and i'm and the mindset component of that is hey i'm okay not knowing like it's yeah. fine not to have every single answer and not be the cleverest person in the room and ironically that leads you to so much more knowledge than you're ever going to get by pretending that you are the smartest person yeah 100% our podcast with adam nefer covered this really nicely right like he knows what he's the expert in and what he's not the expert in and creates a team for justin medeiros so that he is getting the knowledge and skill set that he needs to be the best in the world Exactly right. Yeah. Another big challenge that I see or the belief that is kind of is behind a lot of these challenges that coaches face is yeah. that I'm not fit enough, not strong enough. I don't look the right way. I'm not athletic enough. This kind of this belief that I have to be the perfect athlete in order mm-hmm. to coach athletes. And we dove into this last time, but it's yeah. worth bringing it up again. Um, what contributing factors build into that, do you think, Rachel? Yeah. You know, I believe that that stems from implicit uh, uh, environmental components. And a lot of that environment for coaches and athletes occurs on Instagram. That's one of our environments now. So we end up comparing ourselves to people's highlight reels. They're, you know, uh, most um, beautiful lifts and their most perfect um, coaching sessions and their carefully crafted uh, messages, we end up comparing ourselves to those things, thinking that whether well, people out there who seem to have all of the answers and they're always able to get their training in and they always feel great and their energy level is perfect mm. and all of their athletes love them. And that's just not the case. Oh, you're so right. Instagram isn't our reality always no. <laughs> like, yeah like we've both spent spent a good amount of time around people whose life on instagram looks perfect um yeah. and i'm sure everyone has to be honest like yeah. and you see behind the scenes you're like oh okay it's not oh all you're that. a human <laughs> yeah yeah we're yeah. all human we're all yeah. human so um yeah that's fantastic and we have this idea of like i'm not fit enough not strong enough what it does is it creates this kind of when i struggled with that belief when it kind of was very dominant i would avoid training i would definitely not enjoy training i would feel like i had to train in a way that matched what i guessed were other people's expectations of me rather than pursuing what i internally felt interesting so like picked up injuries like got feeling like not not enamored with training lost the love with it and um yeah it it really kind of it was a stone in my training shoe Mm, yeah i remember taking on a squat every day program like two years into doing crossfit 
one year into coaching CrossFit thinking, this is the example that I have to set for my athletes. You have to like do extra work. You have to do all this stuff. And I was so miserable and so injured (laughs) because I did not have the necessary training um, experience to take on a program like that. I wish Mm -hmm. I could. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think what was my version of that? Probably... Um, trying to get ridiculously good at gymnastics and movements when it wasn't my bag at all. And like, I didn't enjoy, I don't enjoy coaching gymnastics movements that much. They're not really my jam. I honestly, I don't have as much of the knowledge as I like, as many other people do. Yeah. So like, and I felt like I had to do it because it's like the weak spot in my coaching rather than leaning into the strengths, which is the mindset component. Like this is sure. why I know really well, this is what I can see, this is what I can help people with. Um, and that, but that feeling of I've got to be the type of person that other people expect me to be is yeah. a big part of it. I was speaking to a coach just yesterday um, who was talking about his body image and how that was something that um, made him feel like he's, stood out and actually is his previous body image really um and how he felt like he used to look and still carrying around that mentality um Mm. and that's something that i think we have to be aware of too it's like i don't fit in because this imposter syndrome element of i don't fit in because the way i look um is is a big one in coaches yes a hundred percent and again a lot of that stems from you know instagram Mm. because we're following fellow coaches who have six packs and often are former games athletes. That's who we gravitate towards, right? Because we, we have this unspoken belief that they must be the best. Um, There are many great coaches who do not fit into that normal uh, or that normalized body model. You can be a great coach and look any which way. There's a difference between being a successful coach on Instagram and a successful coach by helping human beings. Yes, and exactly. I the think skill that's probably set is we very different. <laughs> Tres different, as the French would say. Um, <laughs> so what other beliefs do you think get in the way, Rachel? Mm. Still talking about um, losing the love of training. Yeah, sure. Let's go for that. Yeah. Whichever's on, on your mind. You know, there's a little element of jealousy to that sometimes too. Uh, Like I need to be better than my coworkers. And I think that's tying in really nicely to what we've already talked about, which is seeing others' success, not feeling like we're necessarily as connected to athletes as other coaches are and feeling the need to create that connection by being perfect in other ways instead of by connecting. Okay. Tell me more. Where does that come from? Why do you think that exists? Yeah. You know, I think that we carry all of us, every single one of us, I think that we carry perfectionism um, as a cultural belief. We believe that in order to be successful, we have to be perfect. And perfection can mean looking a certain way, acting a certain way, and often acting a certain way leads us to being inauthentic. And that's why we're not connecting with athletes. But we see other people who are successful and we continue to try to act the way that they act. So again, we come back to burnout. We're so exhausted from being someone that we're not. Now we no longer love training. Now we're feeling burnt out. It's a vicious Mm. cycle. So many of these beliefs that we're talking about, and this is true for everyone, whether we're talking about athletes, whether we're talking about scientists, whether we're talking about parents, whether we're talking about coaches or environmental. This all seems to be the, the hardest beliefs to shake are the ones that 
fits most neatly into society society at large because a lot of them have truth to them to some degree and and some of them just need to be thrown out and elements of others need to be thrown out um so the ones that are normal in society are often the most pernicious they kind of they Mm -hmm. eat eat away at us um and we don't really realize so we've got to be particularly aware of like what was our environmental factors when we grew up and how could this affect us um and really digging into that is important Mm -hmm. and then some of these as well are kind of experiential based and what worked once for us sometimes we hope that it's going to continue working so we create a belief around that so um yeah. for example maybe you did get some attention when you're when you pr'd your clean by 20 pounds and the whole gym was like rooting for you and you did it in the open and then you got some like personal training clients or like or people ask you to program whatever it was yeah. and it's like therefore the belief is that i've got to be this good athlete i've got to be better than everyone else um, yeah. and, and that side Mm, absolutely. Or you're watching yourself not get attention while other people get attention yes. or you're, or you're viewing someone being praised for something. And we learn, oh, that's how we get recognition is by being a certain way. And we're back to that yeah. fixed mindset versus growth mindset. So again, if we're looking at what a good mindset looks like here, yeah. it's someone who's leaning into their individuality mm. without a trace of shame. Yeah. Um, and someone yeah, who's proud of who we are. Yeah, exactly. And, and accepting that, Hey, I'm going to have some differences. I'm going to be slightly different from other people and that's okay. And I'm going to have my own idiosyncrasies and that's actually a good thing. Um, and so really knowing your ultimate direction and knowing a bit more about yourself, like to know thyself, that that's what we want and to understand yourself. And then also like, again, having that presence and focus of like, this is where I am right now. And I'm not going to get wrapped up in these thoughts and I'm focused on now. And like, I can watch these thoughts come and go that say, you've got to be doing this to fit in, or like, you're not good enough to be here. And you watch them come and go without getting wrapped up in them and realizing that Mm. just thoughts, they're just emotions, they're just sensations and the things you're experiencing. They're not who you are and they're not your world. Yes, exactly. It's a hard one to wrap our minds around because we're we think that we are our thoughts but we're not yeah you're you're the person or the thing observing your thoughts which is a very different thing which is why you can watch them they're not you yeah what other beliefs do you think we that a lot of coaches face that cause problems like i've got a list as long as my arm here um, so we can go into more but it's (laughs) it's more about selecting the the ones and especially if, if you're a coach listening to this as well it's like think about you particularly like they're going to be individual beliefs that you have um and so like we may not mention yours but we're tr- going to try and hit the kind of the the big few um yeah. so what other ones do you think are there rachel i think a really big one is tied to not making enough income and that one is i'm not good enough to charge more for my services mm-hmm to, um, you know, start a program at my gym to go for the promotion at my gym or to like seek out, um, personal training clients, whatever it may be. But the root belief is I'm not good enough. And it leads to not valuing our time and expertise. Okay. So it leads to not valuing time and expertise, eventually not earning enough. Um, the stress that we do, we create, um, where does this come from? Do you think 
Hmm. I'm not good enough can come from a lot of places, but often it's also environmental. It can be explicit. People who've grown up in abusive situations will be told that they're not good enough um, and will be taught that through repetition in their environment. Um, but again, it, it can also tie into perfectionism again. So it can be this cultural belief that gets in the way. It's like, I would be good enough if I, you know, looked the part, right? If I looked yeah. like I could charge more, then I could charge more. Or, um, you know, if I had the um, certifications, then I could charge more. Um, so there are all these little these little pieces that coaches often are subconsciously assuming that they need in order to be the expert that they actually already are capable of being. Yeah, and I want to point out that there's a huge difference between I'm not good enough and I could be better. One yeah. of them is an encouragement towards growth. Yes. One of them, the other is like a fear of rejection and a fear yeah. of like a, being unworthy. Mm -hmm. And that creates shame and that creates yeah. kind of self-loathing. And the, the side I could be better is encouragement. It's exciting. Yeah. It's a possibility. And like on some level, they have sim similar actions, but the intention behind them are very different. And therefore yes. the outcome that comes from them are really different. And the the amount you earn as a coach, the kind of yeah. response, the um, your feeling of imposter syndrome is completely different world apart. Yeah. I'm not good enough is a label. It's essentially saying, this is who I am. I'm not good enough. Whereas um, I have room to grow um, or I could be better is a way of looking at ourselves as in process versus as a finished product right now. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Are there any other big ones that you think are there? Like I've, I can see the confidence side of things. I'm not confident enough, like, which mm -hmm. I think is kind of a, an offshoot of that. I'm not good enough. Sure. Peace. Um, like I don't know enough, like I'm not worthy enough to stand here. Like mm. the belief that I'm not confident though is a belief in itself. Um, and it affects a lot of coaches standing in front of a whiteboard and saying wow. like, and, and talking to people or addressing people. Um, yeah. any other beliefs that you think are, are big ones? Mm, now I'm thinking about that one. Um, that kind of the standing in front of the whiteboard, feeling. And I think that stops a lot of people from becoming coaches who would be good Definitely. coaches, um, which is a huge bummer. Yeah. I think that that does tie in a lot to I'm not good enough. And again, it's because there's some kind of subconscious list of like qualities that people think coaches need to have, but there are so many different types of people in the world. There have to be a lot of different types of coaches too. Yeah. Each person is essentially a puzzle. And yeah. different sections will, or different pieces of the puzzle will tessellate nicely. It's just an excuse mm -hmm. to use the word tess tessellate here. Like that's my uh, great job. Yeah. That's um, your word of the day. <laughs> got that in there. That is word <laughs> of the day. Um, <laughs> different people will tessellate and have this better relationship with other coaches because they can, they match nicely just like mm -hmm. any other relationship. There's like this yes. overlap and there's, there's enough similarity and there's enough difference to create growth between them. And that's what you want in, in any kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, what I'm feeling, what I'm seeing here is this all boils that a lot of these boils down, boil, boil down to, I'm not worthy enough. Like I don't yeah. deserve this. I'm not mm -hmm. good enough. Um, and that seems to be the human condition. And mm -hmm. we can either be driven by the fear of not being good enough 
or and it sounds cheesy to say we can yeah. be driven by love and excitement and growth and mm. the outcomes that you get from those things are completely different like so can true. you be driven by good intentions or are you going to be driven your whole life by fear um yeah. and honestly i think most of humanity is driven by fear um, i agree but being able to step out of that and it's a really hard thing to do there is a yeah. system to do it but it's a really hard thing to do yeah there's there's a process behind it which we'll go into in the next mm. podcast episode and to kind of yeah. wrap this piece up but before we do that um let's quickly discuss what a good mindset looks like and a, yeah. a trained mindset looks like in a in a coach um yeah. and we'll apply it to the mindset rx method in a bit but like rachel what do you um what do you see as like commonalities of of a trained mindset in coaches you know a trained mindset in coaches the first thing that we notice is that they are really relatable, even though they're all different. And it's because of that authenticity piece. They're comfortable with who they are as people, and they're able to express that individuality in a way that's, again, authentic to them. And so they're extremely engaging to be coached by. Um, we also see that they are able to look at the long-term view in terms of what opportunities to say yes to and which ones they need to pass up on. And so they're more confident and they have a clearer direction in their career. They don't feel kind of stumped or stuck. Mm -hmm. They know what they need to do next and they know what the steps are to get to the next level. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. You've actually just really nicely ticked off the first two parts of the mindset X method as well. Like yeah. testing, like we know the first stage of the mindset X method is testing. It's like, what is our limiting belief? Like what is the main one? What do we have to be watching out for? And knowing that just gives you this, it gives you something to work with. It gives you a perspective on your thoughts and emotions. And that helps you really adjust um, how you're acting in a moment, how you're thinking, how you're feeling. And ultimately yeah the like who you are in that moment mm -hmm. and then having that really clear vision of where i want to get to like what's the end goal for me like what is yeah. success like who can i become um who who's the person within me that also authentically wants to get out um yes. i think being present focus on the moment not feeling the need to check your phone the whole time in the middle of classes is a big one because again Boy. fear fear of missing out is driving you um so that presence focus on now like not getting distracted by those thoughts and emotions that come rushing in mm -hmm. um and then doing things regularly that stretch you and reinforce this is the type of person that i am like that's a yeah. like a lot of coaches who are struggling with the mindset have been doing the same things for too long and yeah. we need to be stretched we need to have that growth like humans are driven by growth or fear and yes. like a little bit of fear is probably a, a helpful thing occasionally. Yeah. Um, it definitely gets you moving, but then we can be driven by growth and like want to be stretching, want to be growing, want to be doing difficult things on a, on a regular basis. Absolutely. Yeah. Could not agree more. Okay. Great, great summary of the, um, the main mindset challenges that the uh, coaches face. Next episode, what we're going to be doing is how to change this. And there's also going to be an opportunity at the end of it to kind of to move forwards and, and work with us in a coaching capacity. But before we get to that point, what I do want to do is outlay the process of changing and training a coach's mindset, just like we train our physical body 
we want to train our mindset too um mm-hmm. so we'll be going over that and showing you the process behind that the steps there um and how we can create this this growth for coaches